We pray this message blesses and encourages you. Hello. I haven't, uh, we were talking this morning and I, I said I haven't been preaching here since the start of July because I was on a car, Caribbean cruise. I'm joking, we had a baby and so was anything but a cruise. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had a baby girl, if in case anybody missed it um, in the middle of August, she's called Eden. Um, she likes to, well, she doesn't even really sleep during the day, but she likes to party at nighttime. Um, and so pray for us uh, as, we, as we work it out. Um, but yeah, praise God. I'm excited today to be chatting through um, the next part of this series, Storyteller in the Book of Matthew. The, the Book of Matthew is fascinating to me because if you read through the Gospels, um, each writer is a different person, and so obviously, and so they write differently. They notice different things. They say different things. They focus in on different things. And Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was a money guy. And Matthew, I imagine there was a saying whenever I was growing up that um, people would tell me that if I just looked after my pennies, the pounds or the euros or the punts, whatever it is, like they'll look after themselves. Um, if you just look after the small thing, then the big thing will take care of itself. Focus in on the little details and some of the big details will take care of themselves. And I, I think as you read Matthew, you'll realize he's kind of one of those people. He has this ability to look at a big situation, but focus in on lots of little details that everyone else would miss. And it's a wonderful book to go through. Um, we're going to look at Matthew 15 today. And in Matthew 15, like we'll see Jesus teaching, giving a bit of a teaching to his disciples, having a bit of an argument with some Pharisees all at the same time. And as we read through the Bible, it's also really important that we recognize and remember that whenever Matthew, for example, is writing his book, he didn't write like chapter 14 and then close it for the night and go to bed. I'll write 15 tomorrow with a fresh head. It's not, he just wrote it as one body of text. And then later on, it was divided up into chapters and verses so that today we could navigate it a little easier and a little more quickly. I could say to you, turn to Matthew 15, and I wouldn't have to say to you, if you can scroll through, do you find the part where Jesus says this? And so that's why those things are in there. And so if we're going to understand Matthew 15, it's helpful to take a quick look back into Matthew 14. And as we go back through Matthew 14, here's a quick summary of what has happened. The start of Matthew 14, we find out that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has been killed by the king. Jesus has this, like this person that he grew up around, this person that he knew, this person that his family was close to. The king had executed him in the most horrific way. And then just after that, we read the story where Jesus is teaching a crowd and then he gets the lunch of a boy and he multiplies that lunch and he feeds 5,000 men plus women plus children all in one moment and they've all this food left over. And then just after that, in Matthew 14, we see the moment where Jesus walks on the water. And we might miss the fact also in that story that Peter also walks on the water too. We talk about Peter, Peter took a few steps and sunk. Peter has walked further on water than any of us. And so let's give him a bit of credit where credit's due. But so this has all happened. He's lost his cousin. He has he has multiplied all of this food, this, this absolute miracle of multiplication. And then a moment where he walks on the water and Peter walks on the water as well. And that's all in 14. And then we pick it up in chapter 15. And it starts 15 like this. It says, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrive from Jerusalem to see Jesus. And they asked him, pause. What would you ask him? Because I was thinking about this the other day. What would I ask him, given all that had just happened? You might expect them 
depends how they're wired. Maybe you would come and you would say, Jesus, I heard about John. Are you okay? Is there anything I can do? Like, can I take the pressure off at all? Like, you would, maybe you would come wondering how Jesus was after this period of grief. Maybe you would come and say, Jesus, I heard about the food thing. And I don't know if you noticed the cost of living is going up. And so can you teach me? Because I'm going to go to Little or Tesco and I'm going to buy a week. And we're going to pray it into the whole month in Jesus' name. So maybe you would want to know what's happening. Like, how did that happen? Maybe you'd want to understand something. Like, this is the first time you've heard about this. And you want to talk to the person who was there. Or maybe you would be like, Jesus, I heard about the water thing. And actually, I heard that Peter walked on water, and that seems pretty cool because I've heard about Peter, and Peter likes to run his mouth a little bit. And so if he can do it, can I do it? Can you show us how to do it? Because it'd be cheaper than getting a boat. And so can you help us out here, Jesus, and show us and teach us some things? There's all of this stuff that has happened. And it's just even in one chapter before, all of these huge events of miracles of multiplication and like miracles where he's on the water defying gravity and physics and all of these things. And then there's like, like there's grief that has happened in his family and all of these questions that I would have if I was speaking to Jesus perhaps. And then it says this in verse two that they ask him, this question. Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. What? I would be looking at Peter going, did they just ask me? <laughs> after all that's went on, like, after all that has went on, all of the miracles that have happened, all of the, the pain and the grief, all of the things that have happened just recently, and you want to know, let me get this right, you want to know why they didn't wash their hands before they ate something. That's the question that you're asking me right now. It's like, this is bonkers. But if we're honest... It shows a way of thinking that doesn't stretch too far from how we think sometimes. Because what is happening here in this moment is there's all of this stuff, like God's doing all of this stuff. Jesus is doing all of this stuff right there in front of, like, in front of everyone for everyone to see. And they're over here with their narrow little way of thinking. Jesus, I can see, like, I know that you're doing all of this, but I'm going to ignore it because I... I want to argue over this. I want to debate over this. I just want to narrow in on me. And it happens today. Like you'll hear stories about how God's moving in nations and churches and all of what God's doing all over the place. Like churches and places like where God's pouring out his spirit and people are giving their lives to Jesus and people are getting healed and set free and all of this stuff's happening. And like, oh my goodness, can you believe it? And everybody's watching in because we can watch it on social media, like all of this stuff's happening all over the place in these churches, but you better believe that at the exact same time, somebody's leaving that church because they don't like the music. Or they don't like the version of the Bible that the pastor used. Or they don't like what somebody's wearing. God's doing all of these miracles. But somebody sat in my seat. Jesus, what do you think about that person sitting in my seat? And it happens all of the time around us. If I was Jesus, I politely, of course, 
might have just told them where to go. You can just go away from me right now. Thank you. <laughs> like all of what has went on and this is what they want to discuss. But Jesus has this beautiful way and you'll notice it throughout all of the gospels where people ask him questions like this and Jesus doesn't answer the question. Jesus answers the question by asking another question. And what he's doing in a moment, he's not denying that it happened. He's not saying like, no, you, you didn't see them get the hand sanitizer out when nobody else was looking. He's not denying it. He's not trying to stand up for any, for any of them. He's not trying to divert the conversation. He's not trying to argue or defend himself. What he has this beautiful way of doing is when they're shining the spotlight on something, he has this way of just taking it and turning it back on them. Saying, you're looking at that. But why don't you look at you? This, this is how the passage starts to open up. We see in verse three, Jesus replies to them, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. I have vowed to give God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. That is a whole other talk for a whole other day in the middle of that. Like that's a challenge to me. Am I by my own way of thinking and my tradition and the things I'm so caught up in canceling out what God's doing in my day around me? He goes on and he calls them hypocrites. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. They, may, they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. And maybe it sounds harsh, but what Jesus is doing here is exposing the root of a problem that nobody was looking at. He goes on, to, says Jesus then calls to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, did you realize that you just offended the Pharisees by what you said? It's like, yeah. Like, okay, just making sure. And Jesus replies, every plant that is not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted, so ignore them. They're blind guides leading the blind. And if, no, and if one blind person is guiding another, they'll both fall into the ditch. But Peter says to Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand yet, Jesus asked. Anything that you eat passes through your stomach and goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from your heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Jesus is pointing out again something that he points out repeatedly throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's pointing out something in their culture. And he's saying to them, you can walk the walk if you want. And you can talk the talk if you really want. But the issue is what's going on inside you. What's going on in your heart. He's saying, you've got it wrong. You're so concerned with just behaving yourself. Like doing the right thing at the right time. Saying the right thing in the right moment. Taking all the boxes. Getting all of the applause. Oh my goodness, isn't he so holy? Isn't he so great? I wish I could follow Jesus the way they follow Jesus. I was like, they're all concerned with what everybody else is looking at and saying. When the real issue isn't any of that. We have a, a leak in our house at the minute. And... You know those like you just you're walking through one day and you're like, oh, 
You just spot it on the roof. You're like, oh my goodness, here we go. And we have two options. We can get the plumber in and try and find it. Where's this thing coming from? Or I could just paint over it. But in two weeks, it's going to be back. And maybe worse. I'm just going to have to paint. I could paint over it again. But sooner or later, the roof will come in. Because I chose to not deal with the source of the problem, just to paint over it. Looking for just the stain on the roof and rather where is this all coming from? We needed to, to dry up. We needed to be fixed to find the source of the problem. And Jesus is saying to these people that day, I am less interested in how you behave and more interested in who you are. Who you are. I don't just want your good behavior. He wants your heart. He doesn't just want your good behavior, he wants your heart because he knows if he can get your heart and your heart changes, then your behavior will follow and how you speak will follow and all of these things will follow. He knows how to, see, God's smarter than all of us. He knows how to get it the right way around. We're over here trying to fix people's behavior and God's saying, no, if I could just get your heart, if I could just help you with your heart, then everything else would work out. He wants, he wants yes, to affect how we live and how we think and how we act, but it all follows our heart. Jesus isn't wanting just to deal with the fruit of a problem. He wants to dig into the roots. Where is this thing coming from? And your actions don't determine your heart's condition. Your heart's condition determines your actions. Your actions don't change your heart. Your heart affects your actions. The heart is the source of everything. And we get so concerned, let's be honest, we get so concerned about what everybody else is doing and we're not as concerned about who we are, what's going on inside of me. And honestly, if I think if we just all took a moment, instead of flying off the handle at people and just stopped and paused and took a breath and asked ourselves some questions, what does this teach me about me? I know that this is all happening, but what does this teach me about me? Why does, what does this thought teach me about me? What does my reaction teach me about me? And what is really going on inside of my heart? Because there's a couple of teachings from Jesus previously, one in Matthew 7, where he says, why would you worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log or a plank in your own? He says, stop saying to people, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite, he's the same word that he uses in Matthew 15. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Matthew 23, later on, Jesus speaks again. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead, and everything is unclean. In the same way you wash, or the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Like it's tough. But it's the same teaching from Jesus the whole way through. And if Jesus is teaching something the whole way through, we should probably stop and take a listen and say, what are you trying to show us? I think this is why there's so much scandal everywhere. Anywhere you look, there's a scandal. Open up your phone under your newsfeed. Not right now, but later on. Like there'll be some sort of scandal and do you know what happens? People are so concerned with their projected image and less concerned about their hearts. What can I, like, what can I show to the world and less concerned about their hearts? I, your reputation can get you somewhere, but your character is what keeps you there. 
Your reputation and how you portray yourself can get you anywhere. But your character is what keeps you there. Someone said to me after the last service, they're like, my CV, could, I could doctor my CV to get any job I wanted probably, but that's my skill set. That's my character that keeps me in it. My reputation can get you somewhere, but your character keeps you there. And I guess I wondered what the world would look like if the people of God decided that they would say, I don't care what you all think. I don't care about this reputation thing. I would rather that my character was known in heaven than have a good reputation here on earth. I would rather to be known in heaven of being of good character than all of you think I have a good reputation. And this is the problem of humanity from the beginning. Like Jesus is quoting the Old Testament here when like they talked about it in the Old Testament and now Jesus is talking about it again in the New Testament. This has been the problem and the problem is that people are more concerned about the outside than the inside. It's in the story of David when picking a king and there's that line and it just says, man looks at the outward appearance but God's looking at the heart. God's looking at their heart. This Old Testament problem, this New Testament problem, and I want to put it to you today that it's a 2023 problem too. When I gave my life to Jesus, I told you this before, but I got given a Bible. I got told, read this every day, pray every day, go to church every week, serve as much as you can, stop cursing, stop drinking, stop smoking, only date girls that are Christians. It was like this like list of rules. And if you just do this, you'll be behaving. You'll be behaving. And on the outside, like I tried my best to follow all of this. And then my reputation was, I was looking like, maybe this boy has something. Like, look at, look at how he serves. and Look at how he's acting. and Look at how he's behaving. But honestly, on the inside, my heart was rotten. I had problems in my heart, which eventually crumbled me. And my reputation could get me somewhere, but my heart and my character couldn't keep me there. And I went on this journey with the Lord and journey without, walked away from God and had this whole journey where the Lord really teach me about my character. Do you know what probably would have been more helpful if I was in a scenario or a space where someone sat me down and said, Darren, it's all coming from your heart. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? Because everything flows from your heart. And we're so concerned with the world and what others are doing and what others are saying. And you'll hear it all the time. Can you believe it? Can you believe they did that? Can you believe they said that? Can, did you hear? How, did you, can you believe that? Can you believe there's so much evil around all of these things? And even as we watch the news, there's all of these, stirs up all of these things inside of us. Can you believe it? And honestly, my answer is yes. Because Jeremiah 17 teaches us that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. And it's desperately wicked follow your heart. Don't follow your heart because the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and it's desperately wicked. Who can really know how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives and I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. And so I'm not surprised when people do what they do or when they say what they say. And yes, people should be held accountable. But what about for a moment if we stop throwing stones and paused and just turned it back on ourselves for a second. Here's my dream. And I know it's what Pastor Sean and Pastor Dez and the leaders all want here. Like I, I have this dream of an environment or a space, a church, a community, where we could honestly sit with each other and ask each other, 
how's your heart? With no like facade, no pretending, no lies, no bending the truth, just how is your heart? With no fear of condemnation or shame or guilt, how is your heart? What's going on on the inside? Yes, we'll deal with the actions, but what's happening in here? A place where that didn't put us on the defense. A place where we could really get to the root of the problem. And I know I am not. I am not responsible. I am not responsible for everyone else's heart changing. I'm responsible for my own. I am responsible to preach the Bible, to ask some questions, to lead us to a spot where you might, with the Lord, ask him to help you with your heart. Psalm 139 says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive or wicked way in me, in me, in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I cannot change your heart for you. I might change your mind on some stuff. And a changed mind can change your thoughts, but only a changed heart will change your life. Only a changed heart will change your life because from the heart, our life flows and how we act and react flows. And the enemy knows all of that. And that's why he's always trying to pollute it. Just, and it's not always, it's never really mass pollution. It's just, he'll just drop something in. And over time it'll grow. And over time it'll develop. And all of a sudden the whole thing's polluted. Because we didn't at the start say, God search me and know me. Is there anything inside of me? That's contrary to what it is that you want for me. Resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, hurt, disappointment, pride, all of these things. The enemy will just drop it in. And if it's left alone, it will poison your heart and ultimately poison your whole life. And so I wanted today to lead us, hopefully towards a moment where we can pray what the psalmist prays. Lord, search me. Search me. I know that all sorts of people have done all sorts of things. I know that there's all sorts of things happening in the world right now, but Lord, search search me. Is there anything inside of me? Is there any poison in the well? Can we go back today together to the source or like to our hearts and say, God, is there anything in me that's causing me to act like that? or react like that, or think like that. What is going on inside of me? I know that there's uproar all over the world right now, not just um, like in the nations, but in people's lives. There's stuff just happening. And you'll not put on the news for too long without feeling some level of grief or pain. But I wondered, rather than throwing stones at the world, what if we would just look at our own hearts, rather than throwing stones at the world, at other believers and pointing the finger at everyone else's issues. What if we asked the Lord, Lord, is there anything in me? Is there anything in me? Is there anything in me? I can't change all of that. But is there anything in me that we can work on? I was also taught when I was a kid, whenever I'm pointing a finger, I've got three pointing back at me. 
So instead of pointing, what if I just said, Lord, search me. Know me. See if there's any wickedness in me. And then lead me in your way everlasting. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. Above everything else, guard your heart. Protect it from poison. Protect it from the enemy. Protect it because everything comes from there. And if it gets polluted, everything gets polluted. But the invitation is to invite the Lord to say, search me and know me. Lord, help me to deal with the log or the plank in my own eye so that someday I might be able to help people with the speck in theirs. Because I can't do it until I deal with me. And ask the band to come and join me. I was reading this story the other day. We're doing a series in chapel called Pentecostal. And I really was just reading through some of the moves of God um, that have happened in the last couple of hundred years. And there's one that happened in a place called the Hebrides. It's... It, what happened, basically it started, these two older ladies were praying for a long time that God would move and then all of these circumstances happened and then this prayer meeting started in a barn because they couldn't get somewhere else and they're praying for six weeks that God would do something. Six weeks and then during one of the meetings this young guy stands up and he reads out Psalm 24 and Psalm 24 says, Who may cl climb the mountain of the Lord, or who might ascend the hill of the Lord? Who might stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands are clean and their hearts are pure. So he reads this verse out, and he closes his Bible, and he looks at the room. This is a young man. He looks at the room, and he says, It seems pointless. This is the Darren paraphrase because I wasn't there. Um, he says, basically, it's pointless for us to be praying for God to change all of these people if our hearts aren't right, if our hearts aren't pure and our hands aren't clean. And it says he looks up to heaven and he prays, God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? And it says in that moment, it's like the power of God like rushed into the barn that they were meeting in. And they all started to repent of what was going on inside of their hearts. And from that moment, in that moment, this what we would now call a revival in the Hebrides broke out. People were like walking out of their houses with no idea where they're going and finding themselves walking into church and giving their lives to Jesus. People were like falling on the side of the street and giving their lives to God. All because, and it, like, yes, it started in prayer, but the, like the moment when it broke, like all of the prayers had been happening for a long time. And in this moment broke it when one young man said, God, I'm going to stop pointing at everyone else. And Lord, search me, know me. Is there anything inside of me? And I guess I'm wondering, God, all of the things that we've been praying for and contending for and the move of God that we want to see in this area, the move of God that we want to see in our families, the move of God that we want to see on this island, in this nation, in the nations of the earth, the move of God that we want to see. Like we want to see, like I want to not just read stories like that. I want to be part of it. I want to see it with my own eyes. I want to see God do that. Like what would it look 
look like if, if the people of God got before God and laid their heart bare before him and all of a sudden people are walking out of flats and apartments just trying to find out what's going on because the people of God stopped pointing saying, can you believe that they're doing that? Can you believe that they're saying that? Can you believe that they're acting like that? And they turned it on themselves and say, God, search me. Before I worried about the sin in everybody else's life, God, is there anything inside of me? Is there anything inside of me that's poisoning the well? God, search me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Yes, God, I want you to save those people and move in those people, but God, start with me. Start with me. Start with me. Maybe the move of God that we're contending for starts in here. Starts in here for all of us. For all of us. And so could we stand together? And let's just take a moment. We close our eyes. And we're just gonna, I'm just going to read some of those psalms over you. I'd love you to pray it for just a second, a moment of reflection. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and to give us the courage to deal with whatever it is that he might show us. Psalm 139, God, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 24. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who might stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. Who does not worship idols and never tells lies. Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart. O God. And renew your right spirit within me. Jesus, I want to recognize today that the common denominator in all of my problems is me. And so, God, I pray that you would search me and know me. Search us and know us, God. Search our hearts. Test us. Test us and know any anxious thoughts. God, show us any offensive ways inside of us. God, I pray that we would never be people that would throw stones, that we would never be people that are so worried about the speck in other people's eyes and how they're behaving and how they're acting. But Jesus, help us to look inward. Help us to look inward at what you're doing inside of us. God, we want to be people that can ascend the hill of the Lord. God, we want to be people that can step into all that you're doing, Father. And so I ask, God, that you would help us to have clean hands and a pure heart. Father, I pray that you would create a clean heart inside of us, oh God, that you would renew a right spirit inside of us. And Holy Spirit, lead us in the way of life. Lead us in the way of truth. And Jesus, we want to see. 
Jesus, we really want to see hearts turn to you. Like hearts right across this city, right across this nation, right across the nations. God, we want to see hearts turn to you. But God, it does us a little good to be praying that we recognize unless our hearts are turned towards you first. And so God, I pray, turn our hearts towards you. God, help us to recalibrate. God, help us to focus in on what you're doing inside of us, God. God, I pray that you would not only highlight any issues and any wickedness or any sin inside of us, any bad attitudes, God, inside of us. But God, I pray that you would help us and give us the courage to give them to you and to walk those things out and to work those things out for the sake of our lives, for the sake of the people around us, God, for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of what you want to do. Father God, I pray that you would search us and know us and you would lead us in the way of life. So help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like any more information, please visit stmarkcity.ie. Have a very blessed week.